All right. It's good to be here. Not only here, I've seen different ones of you different times through, through the recent times, but it's good to be here in, the, uh, in front of you all to talk together. And uh, today we're talking about transitions. We're doing family transitions, doing some various things. And I, I have a, uh, yeah opportunity cost. And sending. So I want you to notice that uh, there is some counting of costs that has been going on. Um, there was a child here. There was a, before you have a child, by the way, could I encourage you to count the cost? Because children are costly. Not only in money and time and sleep and poopy diapers and lots of different kinds of costs. But you want to count the cost before you welcome them. And we hear, talk here about how we're a family and how we welcome strangers to become friends, to become family, and then what happens? You welcome this little kid, they mess up your life totally, and then what do you do? You send them off someplace else, just when they start to be useful <laughs> and start to do some dishes. Then you have to send them off and probably pay for college or some other opportunity, right? It's expensive. To, have, to be a family. But families aren't just about that. When we say strangers become friends, become family, we also realize there's some sending off and some cost that comes when we, when we move them on to the next stage. Am I right? Yeah, so we're counting the cost, moving the, the Illuminate kids from kids to the youth group and the youth group kids from youth group off to wherever the various places they were going. Um, this church has also had to count the cost of sending those kids off because they go off. And then we also get the opportunity, often we get to welcome college students who come our way while we send other college students elsewhere. There's a cost of welcoming and sending people off. In, uh, as we've been looking through Scripture, we've seen that Israel was supposed to be a place where people gathered. We saw um, God called Abram to go, but he also called Israel they were supposed to be a people. If you look at Deuteronomy 4, we'll be getting there. We'll be back to Deuteronomy, but we're not there yet. Next week. Um, Deuteronomy he talks about how you're going to have this, your, God's presence is going to be with you, and you're going to have these wise laws, and everybody's, the nations are going to see that. They're going to be want to welcome in. So we talk about being a place where we are welcoming. And after the tabernacle, which this is a picture of, and the presence of God there, there was a temple built. And it was a place of welcoming. And Solomon prayed a prayer on the day that the, tent, the temple was dedicated. And he said, may all the nations of the world, when they pray toward this place, may you, God from heaven, Yahweh, answer their prayers. And it talked about how this was supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. And that's why we call ourselves a house of prayer for all nations. It started with Bethel, the house of God. Bethel is the name of the place that we call this. But it's not just a place for God to be. It's a place for the nations to be. And we get to welcome the nations all here. And Jesus walked into that. And so, okay, there was the exile. They tore it out in the temple because they didn't listen to Jeremiah's warning about it's supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. They, they tore it out in the temple. There was exile. And then Jesus showed up and announced that the kingdom was here. That Jesus was bringing the kingdom that David had, they used to have with David and the temple, and he walked into the new temple, which, unlike Solomon's temple where the cloud came, the, the second temple really never had that cloud and the fire and the, everything happen. But Jesus 
said this was supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. Um, and Jesus talked about, Jesus is still in Israel. So did you know that Jesus never went to church? Anybody know that? He didn't. He never went to church. He went to synagogue. He was still part of Israel. There's a transition. We did Easter. After Easter, the transition to the church is at Pentecost, which is what we're celebrating today. We had Easter. Now we're at Pentecost. Um, but I want you to look at this um, scripture that Jesus um, said here in, Ma in Matthew 9. If you turn to Matthew 9, and there's a Bible right in front of you, if you didn't bring your own or it's not on your phone. Um, he says this, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest, the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into the field. So this is not about welcoming. This is about sending. And then he chose... Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. Now, this is a word that unfortunately was not translated. And I think it confuses us because it was not translated. Apostello means to send. Apostoloi means sent once. So for some reason, we don't say apostle every time it says send, but we do say apostle every time it says the sent ones. So it would be a lot easier to understand Scripture if we had just translated that word. Because now when we don't know what the Greek word is, then we get all kinds of spooky meanings about what are apostles and uh, what are missionaries. Well, missionaries are people who are sent, and apostles who are people who are sent. It depends upon if you're talking Latin or Greek or English, sent ones. And um, so sometimes we get confused. So there's no apostles anymore, but everybody's a missionary, and we, get, we don't know what we're talking about anymore sometimes. So this is about sending. And he talks about the cost of sending. Um, but before I go on in the sermon, I'm going to have Pastor Ben and Hannah, our youth pastor, and his wife come up and give us an announcement. It's not on. So... Um Right, so uh, two years ago, we went on uh, sabbatical uh, and just got away as a family. And while we were on sabbatical, just felt like there was a, a stirring in our heart and there was a sense of uh, something's coming, something, a, a new season, a, a new, uh, we had a real sense that uh, God was going to transition transition us into, into something new. Uh, last year, we had... Several opportunities for new things, and each time those came, we just did not have a sense of this is this is not it. Uh, we just real sense that we need to be still and be patient and not force things. And uh, and part of the things we were praying into is, Lord, whatever is next, uh, let it not just be for me. Let it not just be for Hannah. Let it be for our family. Uh, let it be a family ministry, a family thing, a family, um, and then, you know, I, I come from a, a, 
a family where my dad worked the same job for 36 years. I come from a family where uh, my parents still live in the same house since I was two years old. Uh, I come from a family where stability and change is uh, scary. Uh, and so I'm, I'm the, that's kind of my roots. That's where I come from. I'll, I'm, I'm content with where I'm at. I love my job. I love what I do. I'm good. And then last year happened, and uh, I broke my foot, and then Hannah broke her foot. We had to bury a couple of vehicles. We had uh, just all kinds of life turmoil and chaos, and uh, in, the, in the midst of that, just had a real sense of uh, an uprooting. And, and it was, no, I, I love my stability and structure and I'm not, I'm not going anywhere and, and just the, the more we sensed and prayed it was the more like things were being shaken in our life uh, and then uh, at New Year's I, I New Year's I had a dream I was sitting with a group of intercessors and uh, the, these intercessors were taking turns talking about the year they had and how, how great it was and look all the things that happened and it got to me and I was just like my ear stunk. Uh, and they all started weeping. And, and I was like, what? Why? We're all celebrating. We're all celebrating what God's doing. And why is everybody weeping? And, and uh, they, they spoke up and said, you don't understand. God's been doing things to, to prepare you and change your heart and uh, prepare you for, th- for something that's coming. He's been doing something in you to prepare you for the next season of your life. Uh, and, and so it, I, I texted Hannah. I was actually down in Kansas City at the time. I texted Hannah. I shared that with her, and she just said, okay, we're not going to talk about last year like it was horrible anymore. We're going to talk about like, you know, the Lord was, was doing, doing things in our heart, preparing, preparing us for something. Uh, and then uh, we went down to Mexico in January, uh, visited my my brother and his family in Guadalajara area, and then we went down to where Hannah's dad is in southern Mexico in Oaxaca, uh, and just uh, had a real sense, even with this year's theme of living justice, um, whole people groups down there that haven't heard of Jesus. There's whole people groups down there that haven't heard the gospel. There's whole people groups. Oaxaca, Mexico is uh, the largest concentration of unreached people groups in the Americas. And so kind of when we were there, there was a seed planted just felt like, and that seed started to grow. We went and talked to the elders. We talked to Pastor Steve, talked to the elders. They all felt, uh, uh, it, it's kind of a weird, like, how do you feel? Like, we love this place. We love where we're at. We love, we love Bethel. So there's a sense of grief and loss and 
but there's a sense of excitement and woohoo, this is what's next. And uh, from the elders, they they all said they had a real sense of this is this is a God thing. Um, and then we talked to Cooper. Cooper said uh, Cooper's response to Hannah was, "I would love to be a missionary." So that was kind of a. Uh, there were several confirmations along the way. Uh, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to Hannah for a moment here. Yeah, just as you get me going, thanks. <laughs> so um, Ben mentioned that there's a lot of unreached people groups in Oaxaca. And um, where, will we be, where, where we will be headed is um, Roca Blanca Missions Base, which was founded there in 1971. And... Um, their vision essentially is to train Mexican ministers to reach the unreached people in their villages. Um, they get a lot further with the gospel than us as Americans could possibly get. So we will be, um, well, first thing, Ben will be attending full-time Spanish school for eight months um, and will sound like a native speaker when he's done with that in faith in Jesus' name. Um, and during that time, I will uh, be helping out with the Spanish school and also helping with um, the kids school our children will be attending a bilingual uh, Spanish and English school I'll be helping there with that and helping with transition into Mexico and adjustment um, after that we will be teaching in the Bible school that they have there they have a wonderful Bible program um, what they are lacking however is practical ministry teaching many of these pastors are um, first-time generation believers and um, so they love the Lord, and they, they want to plant churches in their villages. Um, but they right now what they're lacking is practical ministry training. So we're going to be involved with that. Um, we'll also be coordinating short-term missions teams, both coming to the base and teams there um, from the base into other nations. Um, they have had full-time coordinators there in the past. They don't have that now, and it's really needed in order to make those connections, which means that we expect to see all of you down there at some point or another. <laughs> so please, please come. Uh, we'll also be doing missionary care for first-time missionaries coming into the area as well as pastoral care for these pastors that are starting out their churches. Um, so you might be wondering, when is all this happening? Um, ben will be serving as the youth pastor through the end of the summer into the beginning of September, um, just helping transition into the new school year. And uh, in the fall, we will begin fundraising, full-time itinerating, um, in order to fund the ministry that we're um, called to be doing. And then uh, we hope to be in Mexico at the beginning of next year. So. Yeah, so... Um, don't mean to drop a bomb on you all, but uh, we are... Again, we're, we're kind of in a weird place of grief and excitement and uh, we love it here. We love Bethel. We're not l leaving. We're being sent. Uh, we're going to be sent once and um, thank you. Thank you for uh, allowing us to minister and be here and love your kids and um, yeah. So thank you guys. We love you.
pray even before we get to the end of this time. So, Lord, thank you for Ben and Hannah. Thank you for the gift they've been to our congregation, to our families. And uh, thanks for the nine years that they've given us. Thank you for the nine years that you have given them to us. Thank you for those who willingly sent them to us. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege of sending them to where you have called them. And Lord, we, uh, we ask that you would be with their family and be with this family as we go through this transition. Lord, we need you. We're dependent on you. We're thankful for your Holy Spirit going with us and leading us and bringing us to where you want us to be and being with us there. Lord, we pray your blessing even now in the rest of this service. Amen. I'll see you guys. Um, so there's Kleenex up here. I don't know if I need to pass that around. or. Um, so, yeah, this, uh, they had me over for dinner and started telling me about their trip to Mexico and some other things, and, and uh, it sounded like this was a discernment process they were inviting me into, and I was talking about all the costs that would be involved with that and so forth, and then they came over to dinner to our place with Jan, and, and um, I realized that they weren't really asking me anymore. This wasn't a weather. This was a... Uh, Pretty much, God had already spoken to them, and they, the question was whether we were going to send them, and what our response was to what God had been talking to them about. So, um, <clears throat> so that's, uh, and like I imagine some of you are feeling right now, my, my initial response was, oh no, um, we're going to miss you guys. <laughs> we have really uh, been blessed by them. I know the youth are definitely feeling that. He announced that to them just before the service so that they, uh, they had a chance to raid the Kleenex boxes first. And um, they have really poured their lives into the youth especially, but all of us have, have benefited from Ben and Hannah being with us. And so it's going to be hard for all of us. It's going to be hard for us as staff because we're a, a close staff and we really um, work together well and appreciate one another. So, um, if you read on in this, I hope your Bibles are still open. If you read on, he, he sends them out, he gives them authority. And it says in verse 5, Jesus sent out the 12 sent ones with these instructions. And he tells them to go only to, not to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to Israel, God's lost sheep. So that's an interesting place. But he, he's telling them in this situation, still in Israel, that their first assignment is Israel. Um, and then he goes on and tells them things about um, how he's sending them out like sheep among wolves. And uh, that's not a very nice thing to be told, is it? I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves? Uh, he says that there is a cost, and there's going to be things that are going to be difficult. Um, so uh, there is a cost for Ben and Hannah doing this. And I, honestly, folks, I tried to lay out the cost for them and tell them how expensive this was going to be, um, how difficult it was going to be. I tried to warn them from my own experience that this was uh, difficult. And this is 
something that, uh, as I thought about it, I thought, well, you know, this is something our family has done a lot of times. Our family has graduated a lot of youth who've gone off other places and done things. We've also had a lot of people minister here who we have had to raise and release. Um, and uh, we have raised Ben and Hannah in the sense that they have really matured a lot while they've been here. And they've matured a lot of, they've raised and released a lot of youth. You saw the Illuminate kids from way back, <laughs> who are now the graduates. And um, they've raised and released a lot of people. It's almost, um, and if, if we think about our history as a congregation, you can think about people who were here um, at different times. Some just for college, maybe to minister, to do some things. My older brothers, Nathan and Arlen, were here. I came as a college student. You let me go. Then I came back for seminary. You let me minister here for five years. And then you sent me off to Africa. And I was the assistant pastor, the only assistant pastor at that time, and the youth pastor. That was my main responsibility. And somehow the church survived without me. Even grew without me. Even moved into eight congregations. Um, and that expanded our ministry into East Africa. And it was so fun to introduce you to Raphael when he was here and talk about the 550 ministers who were training there because you sent and continued to have a relationship with us there. And God provided for this congregation. We sent off Rich Dobler, and he uh, went off and had a whole career of pastoring. Now Rich and Sharon are back here, both of them together. We've, we've sent, um, actually, as I was traveling around, I got to stay in the home of Hollis Graves and, and see uh, Russ Dobler where he was. And, and they're both people who ministered here and have gone on. And Hannah was commenting, it's great to see churches doing well and those pastors doing well. They're doing great in the places that we've released them to. Other people like Mike McCartney where the con congregation, the convention was, um, he was here just for, for school, for college. And we could name people who we have sent out and released. I mean, not, we, one time there was this intern who was here. He was a really good intern. And then some little church up in northern Minnesota called Kettle River wanted him to come up there. So we had to release him. And then he came back to us. His name was Jim Olson. And then he was a pastor here for a while. Now we've kind of had to release him again to do some other kind of pilgrim ministry. And um, God is in the business of raising and releasing. Families are in the business of raising and releasing and sending out there to do something somewhere, right? Now, when it comes right down to it, it's not that easy. So high school students, 18-year-olds, go from complaining about all this stupid school and these teachers and these well, people around here and these kids to being all nostalgic about, wow, my teachers and my, right? You have graduation parties, everybody been going to graduation parties, and everybody's excited, but there's also a little bit of uncertainty, right? The youth are a little uncertain about how's this going to be out there in the big wide world or in college or wherever you're going. And families are a little uncertain about how's it going to be to have them out of my house. And I found out when I, you know, we sent our kids here, and then uh, when we came back here, we just, you know, then our kids went back to Africa. It's like, that's not fair. You guys were supposed to follow us here. So I found out what it was like to send my kids to Africa as well as to be sent from my parents to Africa. And it wasn't that easy, but God's been good. God's been faithful. 
and all this time, now, now Hannah says, that's not fair to say, you know, she didn't stay home, because actually, she came home, and then we left her, so it, Africa's home for them, <laughs> so uh, she's in our house, anyway, God has been faithful to our congregation, and he will be faithful again, but there is a cost, and Jesus is very clear, at the end of this chapter, he says this, he says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And you can look around this congregation. You can see some of the elders here, some who came as young adults, who have given their lives. And they're the ones I'm envious of. They're the ones I want to follow. And there's others who I've watched wander off and try to get life and lose it. Um, so there is a, a cost and an opportunity. There's an opportunity because the harvest is great. They've said Oaxaca has the greatest number of unreached people groups. Now, unreached people means that there is a group of people who are somehow different, maybe a, probably a different language, different somehow from those around them who do not have a church among them with enough strength to reach their people. They might have a Christian or two, but there's not a strong enough church there to reach those people, so there has to be outside input, maybe some, from someplace else in Mexico or maybe from somebody from among them who gets changed. They need to have... So we can say, well, why don't they just reach their own? Well, unreached people groups need somebody else to help them. And that's why they're going to train some people and help some people. So... I will admit, when they first said this, I was sad. Um, not happy. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, this is what we're about. This is what we say we're here to do. Make disciples. Send them out. Be a house of prayer for all nations. Welcoming and sending to the nations and from the nations. Um, so I wanted to some of you might have caught the, uh, the connection there, the economist here, you know about opportunity cost. Opportunity cost is the loss of potential gain from other alternatives when one alternative is chosen. So as soon as you decide to pick one thing, you give up something else. So if you just stand, decide to stand in line for free ice cream, it's not really free. Because you could have read a book, you could have gone someplace else, you could have made some money while you were standing in line for free ice cream. Um, Time is money, Benjamin Franklin said. He said, if you figure you're going to take half a day off and go to the movies, it doesn't just cost you $7 to go to the movies. It costs you half a day of work and what you would have gotten paid from if you'd worked that afternoon. So opportunity cost is the best option minus the chosen option. So we can choose a good option that's not the best option. Now, if you had been looking and choosing, you could have chosen an iPod and said that was a really good, fantastic piece of technology. But if you were really thinking, if you spent the money on Apple stock rather than purchasing the original iPod for $4.99, you would have earned approximately $14,000 by now. Because you would have said, that's a great piece of technology. I want to buy the company. Give me a little, give me a little bit of stock. So we can choose something good. Of course, people would have known you were cool if you had stock, they would, wouldn't have seen that you were one of those first people who had an iPod. But 
So kids, pay attention here. There are opportunities and there are costs to each opportunity you choose. If you choose to go to college, you give up making money for four years. Uh, but you might give up some, some better money for... But here's the other thing. Jesus talks about opportunity costs. It wasn't actually Benjamin Franklin that invented this. It was actually Jesus. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. If you give up your life for me, you will find it. So it's actually the other way around. Money is time. And time is life. So if you're going to give up your life for money, think about it. Is that a fair trade? And Jesus actually does some things. He, this guy who invests in stocks and has all these, and going to build bigger barns, Jesus said he's a fool because his life is going to be, he's going to die with a barn's full. Who cares? So we have to think about what our options are. Not that making money isn't bad, especially if you invested in the kingdom. There is ways to invest your money, your time, and your life that have great rewards. Choose the best options. But it's costly because you have to give up another option. Always. So the opportunity cost is the best option minus the chosen option. Always try to choose the best option. Not just a good option. For Ben and Hannah to stay here would be fantastic. Right, youth? It'd be great. We'd love it. But is that the best option? You guys could enjoy them ministering to you all this time, or you could be sending them to reach unreached people groups in Mexico. And you could be part of that. You could be part of reaching unreached people groups in Mexico. You could be part of seeing them transformed. And you could know something that you wouldn't have known if you had just had them here ministering to you. Right? That's true for all of us. We have an opportunity. I've started to see it that way. I saw it as a problem. <laughs> now I've started to see it as an opportunity. It's both. It's costly, and it's an opportunity. And now, at the end of Matthew, Jesus changes the directions to these sent ones. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I want you to notice that the apostles have authority. We're giving authority Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Notice how the instructions changed. His first round, when he was still Israel, before there was a, re a resurrection, the instructions were just keep it in Israel. Now it's disciples of all nations, all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus tells us to go. Jesus tells us to send, because they go together. But the point is to make disciples. So the church is a switch in God's pattern. There is still a welcoming in. We're still welcoming the nations here, but the church switches to sending out. When, the, when Pentecost happens, the fire falls and it misses the temple. 
And it goes to this upper room where the new temple is. The people of God are gathered, have been praying through the time of Pentecost. And it hits them and the fire falls on each of them. And that fire is sent out through the Holy Spirit. And the Acts of the Apostles is really the Acts of the Holy Spirit and the Acts of the Holy Spirit sending people out. When we, um, and Jesus says, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit so that you can be my witnesses. Receiving the Holy Spirit is not for goosebumps. It's not for experience. It's not for showing off your gifts that you got from the Holy Spirit. It's so that you can be a witness. A disciple maker, a sent one, and a sender. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. To make us the church so we can send out, so we can welcome people from every nation. And when they spoke, they spoke the languages of all the people there. So they heard the great things from God in their own language. Now, if we, heard, if we go down the story a little bit, we find there was somebody named Barnabas. Barnabas was from Cyprus. Barnabas was generous. He was a giver. He gave up his land so that they could care, take care of uh, widows and orphans, take care of the widows in the congregation who were needy. By the way, I want to commend you guys for your giving. At our, I heard that Julie gave a great uh, invitation to giving toward the roof and at, encouraged you with her own story about maybe adding a zero. At least one person must add it to zero because there was $13,000 given to the roof last time. So that means, yeah, praise God. And she had, somebody must have listened really fast. She told you to go home, think about it, decide what you should give. Um, but So there's only 15000 left. So I'm thinking we should call the contractor and tell him you guys are going to give. 15000 so we can get this thing on before winter. Don't you think so? So it's costly to give. It's costly to keep a roof over the heads of this House of Prayer for All Nations. It's costly to send people. You know what? It's going to cost us something if we're going to send them to the nations because we don't want them to go out. So they're going to go to some other congregations and some other people and ask them to help them. But don't you think it'd make a difference if their sending congregation says, yeah, we're behind them with finances and with prayer, and we want you to pray for them. We want you to send them. We want you to give to them because we think they're fantastic people who are going to do a great job. Um, Eric and Bethany are leaving Hawaii to go to Tanzania. They're going to be asking us to send them. Some of you remember them. Um, we are having opportunities for some cost. Some investment. Let me tell you, it's a lot better than Apple stock. Little, little secret there. I'll tell you more if you want to know why. But um, we have opportunities to send people, and we have opportunities to welcome a new youth pastor. So here's what happened. Barnabas. I was talking about Barnabas. He was generous. And then Barnabas was so generous, they, there was this stuff that was happening up in Antioch, and they were bridging over a cultural divide, and they were starting to talk not just to Jews who'd gone to the places, but to Greeks. So they sent Barnabas up there to check it out. And Barnabas said, hey, you know, I, need, I know this guy. Let me go get Paul and have him come and 
help us. And then Barnabas and Paul were doing a great job of nurturing this congregation. You know, we had a guy we called Sam Snyder who was here, was helping us plant a church. And then he said, you know what? I know this guy, Ben. He'd be great. So Ben and Hannah's even, well, Hannah's great. Um, so Ben and Hannah came here. They were invited, and they've been doing a great job along with Sam. And when they told Sam, he said, well, I was wondering when you were going to get around to it. Because he, uh, he was expecting them to do missions as well as come here. So we welcomed them. They've been great here. But, you know, when they were doing that great job in, in uh, Barnabas and Saul in Antioch, let's read this. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, that's in North Africa, just in case you think that we're the first congregation that ever had Africans in it. Yeah, anyway. Um, there's the black man, there's the guy from North Africa, Manaean, the childhood companion of King Herod, Antipas, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Paul for the special work to which I have called them. So God had already called them, but he asked the church to appoint them. So there was this combination of things that was going together. They were supposed to appoint because God had already called. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So the church prayed and sent. That's what Jesus said they were supposed to do, right? Pray and send laborers. Sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Paul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Wait, I thought they were sent by the church. Yeah. They were sent by the Holy Spirit like Jesus sent out the disciples. They were sent by the church, which was filled with the Holy Spirit. So when we send them, we have the privilege of appointing them, giving them authority, and sending them and they are sent by the Holy Spirit. And you know what? When they get there, they're going to meet the Holy Spirit too. Jesus is already there waiting for them. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and they sailed for the island of Cyprus. Now, you might notice that Barnabas is going home. So um, Ben talked about how hard it is for him to leave St. Paul where he grew up and always in the same house. Hannah is not quite the same. She's sort of going home. She gets to speak Spanish. Now, it's not home. It's not Spain, and they don't speak Spanish. They speak Mexican, right? Um, they speak Mexican Spanish, which is not Spanish Spanish. So she's got some things to learn. But um, you notice that Barnabas and Paul actually went first to Barnabas' home island, and then they went to Paul's home area, and then they kept going out from there. But the truth is, I'm not even sure if they were... Were they really missionaries? Because they already knew the language. Yeah, they were kind of missionaries. And the truth is that it's a lot more mixed up and confusing than we sometimes do in our typical categories. Um, and so we're not going to expect them to accomplish things quite as fast as Paul and Barnabas did because he's got to learn the language. So uh, Barnabas and Paul already knew the language and the culture because they grew up there. So and yet they were Jews. So in, in other words, there is a sending out, and there's a welcoming, and there's, a, there's a, a going back and forth that's happening here. So we are a family, and I want to mention a, thing, a couple of things you heard at the picnic. We talked about maturing. As a family, we mature, and we are here to mature each other as a family. And Ben and Hannah talked about how they hadn't really had a home church in a way except for where Ben grew up until they came here. We got a chance to mature them and help them 
watch them as they matured a lot of young people. We get a chance to manifest love as a family. We get a chance to mobilize toward work. And we get a chance to multiply. So you don't just raise kids, you release them. To multiply new families. That's kind of how it usually works, right? We send them out to make new families. We talked about our all-nations family of churches. These were the words we were talking about. We're here to mature new churches, manifest love as we are between churches, mobilize people into new work, and multiply the work. It's kind of how families work, right? And when you multiply, you start over maturing those babies in their poopy diapers, right? And you go on, gone the way. So, so you know what we're doing. We have a pastor, youth pastor listening team, listening to God and listening for what else is happening. So could the, would they stand up? Andrew Gross, Pastor Andrew, Shelley Lutz, Ikenna is in the back. Stand up. Um, Beth Mork is where? There she is. So if you have questions, comments, suggestions, you know the perfect youth pastor for us, would you talk to one of these people? Especially, would you talk to God and listen to God? And when he tells you something, would you talk to them and say, hey, God told me this, or I think maybe there's something about this, or maybe this is what we should be thinking about. So there are youth, our listening team. Um, thank you. Um, and th you got to thank them for a lot of work that they're doing. They've already put together a job description. Um, I'm working with them closely. The elders appointed them. Um, that job description will be going up on the website and sent out this week. Um, so some of you have just heard about this now, but we've been thinking about it for a few months. We wanted the uh, young people to be able to graduate and not worry about that before they got the bombshell about uh, their youth pastor leaving. So we, we held the news back a little bit until that was, that was done so that we could um, go through this together. So that's the listening team. Um, so I want to talk about opportunity cost. There's an opportunity. There's an opportunity in our city. There's an opportunity in Oaxaca. There's opportunities around the world. There's places where the fields are ripe to harvest. And God calls us to pray. And when we have opportunity to send or to go, the going and the sending go together. And there's always needs to be a sender if there's a goer. Um, some of us get to uh, go this time. And some of us get to send this time. I was on the other end of it at one point. Um, but if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. There's a cost. So in Tanzania, they say, if you think education is expensive, check out ignorance. <laughs> so there's a cost to education. There's a cost to ignorance. There's a cost to giving your life to Jesus. But there's a much bigger cost to clinging. So give up your life, your time, your money, whatever you have, your relationships, your beloved friends, to find what God has. Send and go and especially pray. We need to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth these laborers. We've been praying for that. Now that we know who they are, we need to pray more specifically for all the things, all the steps they have on the way. 
all the things they're going to encounter there. Pray for them to have other people and partners to support them. Pray for all of the steps, all the things that are going to happen with the kids. They need a lot of prayer. Pray for this family. We need a new youth pastor. We need a new pastor. Now, we are not replacing Ben or Hannah. He's irreplaceable. We, we know that. But we are asking God to give us the next set of gifts for the next season, the next team of staff people, of volunteers. Um, you know, I don't know if we're going to find a youth pastor building maintenance person in one person again. So some of you might have to step up in building maintenance, or maybe step up in youth ministry, or step up in some other of the many, many, many things he's been doing. Pulling the All Nations family of churches together. Justin is shaking his head. Oh my goodness. Ben has been a big connector for our All Nations family of churches. There's so many things he's done in our city as well as our church. So we need to pray for God to raise up new people. And God is waiting for our prayers so that he can release and send somebody here. There's people he wants to raise up. Some of you he wants to raise up. Somebody from someplace else he might want to raise up. So I'm inviting you into this season to pray. You know, there's an opportunity. Let me give you one other illustration. When you're in a battle, you have an opportunity to choose your weapon. Right? So you can choose your pistol, you can choose your machine gun, you can choose a grenade. Sometimes it's best to choose the radio and say, would the B-52 come and take that out? I'd like a smart bomb over there, and how about a Hellfire helicopter over there? Sometimes that's the best choice. And sometimes when it comes to ministry, the best choice is to pray and say, God, we need a youth pastor. Hey, would you send these guys to Oaxaca because they need something down there? And would you take care of the building somehow? And, and, and? Would you give me a friend? Because they were good friends. So let's pray. I want you to stand up. I want Ben and Hannah to come up here again. I want the worship team to come. We're going to pray. And then we're going to sing Worthy of It All. Again. Because you know what? Whatever the cost, Jesus has paid a higher cost. The Father sent His Son. And the Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Now I'm going to invite anybody who wants to come up. You're welcome to come up and pray with them. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing worthy of it all because God is worthy of anything we have and anything we can give. So, Lord, we pray for Ben and Hannah. We pray that you would do the work that you have called them to do. We are grateful as we are sad. We're joyful as we're grieving. Thank you for giving them to us. Thank you for the joy of having them among us for this time. And that's why we're grieving, because it's been great. We appreciate who they are and their selfless giving of themselves to us and especially to the youth. And now, Lord, we want to give as selflessly 
We're going to give them to the people of Mexico, especially of Oaxaca. And Lord, we pray that you would do all that needs to be done in their lives. That you would prepare emotionally, financially, in health, with the kids, with each of the things that needs to happen. They have counted the cost, and they have said you are worthy of it all. Lord, we have counted the cost, and we say you are worthy of our best. We give them to you, to use as you desire. And we pray, Lord, that you would send us your best as well. Raise up and release your best within us or around us so that we can continue to do the ministry that you have as a house of prayer for all nations. That we can continue to be the people you want us to be. Jesus, do your work. Lord, we release the high school graduates and the college graduates and the Illuminate graduates and others who you are sending out, others who are moving on into new stages. We welcome them in new ministries and we release them and send them into new ministries. Lord, we thank you for this family. We thank you for bonds that are close enough so it hurts. But we thank you for how you're going to use them in the next phase and how you're going to minister to us. Lord, we give ourselves to you. We open our hands so that we can release and give to you. We're not going to cling. We're going to open our hands. We're going to release. We're going to send. And we're going to receive. Thank you for giving us this new opportunity in this new season. And for giving them this new opportunity as well. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to sing. You guys can keep praying. Um, Sing it as you as you feel that, and you can you can go as you feel. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say the benediction. You guys can stay here, say the benediction. So you can slip out as you want to. You can keep praying as you want to. You can come and pray about other things as you want to. So in the name of the Father, who sent the Son, who sent the Holy Spirit, I send you into this world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be blessed and be a blessing to the nations. Amen.